0: Genocide is a new word, combining
1: the Greek word genos, uh, genos meaning race or group, with the root of the Latin sidere meaning to kill.
2: A report says that his regime is responsible for crimes against humanity.
0: The one and only Holocaust. Six million innocent people, men, women, children, babies, sent to their deaths.
2: Serious abuse with the state showing little or no recognition of even the most basic human rights.
1: I became interested in genocide because it happened so many times.
2: Many wonder what it will take to bring this violence to a halt. Basic
0: human rights be given the protection of international law. The killings in Cambodia, killings in Rwanda, the killings in Bosnia, killings in Darfur. And we are haunted by the atrocities that we did not stop.
2: This is Atrocity Prevention Monthly, a podcast by The Sentinel Project.
1: Hi, welcome to Episode 5 of Atrocity Prevention Monthly. This is Christina. Uh, Today, actually, our topic, we're kind of steering away from talking about just The Sentinel Project. And today we're going to talk about um, the troubles in Northern Ireland, which is an example, um, I would say, and some others would argue is an example of a mass atrocity. It spanned 30 years um, and um, it wasn't; it was a territorial conflict uh, within Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you know about it. If not, you know, look it up. Uh-huh, definitely check out uh, the history of it because I won't be able to go through every single thing that happened within 30 years. Um, but uh, it's important to know a lot of things that did happen in it. And I'm very lucky to have friends in Northern Ireland, and so um, I'm able to. I have an interesting perspective of. Uh, What actually happened within those 30 years because I know people who lived through it and so with me actually is uh, a guest a friend of mine. His name is Robert McCartney and um, he lives in Northern Ireland. He lives in Derry. I'm going to call it Derry. And um, for those of you who probably know about the Troubles, that's even a, a tricky thing to kind of go over because some call it Londonderry. Technically, it is called Londonderry, um, and others just call it Derry for, you know, I would say political reasons. Um, but I'm just going to call it Derry. Um, that is, I believe, is it the second largest city in Northern Ireland after Belfast? That's right, cr- right.
2: That's correct, Christina. It's got a population of about 110,000, so it's about one fifth the size of Belfast. Okay,
1: so um, that actually, Derry is where um, a lot of events happened during the Troubles. Although the Troubles did span, you know, all over Northern Ireland, and they also spilled into the Republic of Ireland. And so, uh, I should mention that Northern Ireland is um, the, of course, northern part of Ireland. Um, it is part of the uh, United Kingdom, um, and as opposed to the Republic of Ireland, which is not. Um, And so you obviously from this, you can tell that there is a territorial conflict there between people that are, you know, wanting to at the time and still, of course, wanting to, you know, nationalists that want to, you know, unite with the, you know, Southern Ireland area and then unionists that, of course, want to stay um, connected to the British and, um, you know, remain part of the United Kingdom. And so um, I should start off with explaining kind of um, Ireland in a sense. Northern Ireland um, became Northern Ireland after, what is it, technically 1922, um, after it was the Irish Civil War that then kind of Ireland became a republic. And so, but Northern Ireland remained part of the British Empire due to the fact of the um, overwhelming. Um, amount of is it? Would you say it was Protestants and Unionists that wanted to stay with Briti- with Britain, and that um, Ireland knew that they wanted to stay there, so they just divided up the line because they if there was an overwhelming majority of people that wanted to stay within Britain.
2: Well, what actually happened in um, 1921, 1922 is the British government, and the Irish government set up a, a border commission. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing that there was a significant uh, part of the population in the, in the north that um, did not mm-hmm. want to um, be part of the re- Republic of Ireland and this border commission was set up to determine where the border should be mm-hmm. and that is the outcome of that border commission is where the, the, the line on the map was drawn right. and you have six counties in the, the north of the island that um, remain part of uh, the United Kingdom.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about you now so that everyone understands that's the reason why there is a Northern Ireland. Let's talk about you, Robert. You were born in 1962. I'm going to say you're I'm going to say that you were born in 1962. Um, and so the Troubles began in 1968. So Robert is an interesting uh, person for this because, to talk about this, because he really did grow up in the Troubles, I would say. And in, in the matter of, the Troubles lasted from 1968 technically to 1998 with the Good Friday Agreement. And so... Uh, Robert, the reason why I asked you know for him to be uh, a guest on Atrocity Prevention Monthly is because he lived through the troubles. He grew up with the troubles. He has some personal stories about living through the troubles, um, and I actually find him he's essentially unbiased in his opinion because I think. You still have people, you guys tell me stories all the time about people that still, you know, there's people that side one way or the other and feel very strongly about who was worse, whether it was the nationalists or the unionists and and everything that went on. Um, But you have a very level-headed approach to understanding what happened. And I'm going to say that this, the troubles... in general, are not an easy thing to understand. I personally still don't understand it after all these years of talking about it, reading about it. There's so much that went on. Um, it's complicated. It's not clear-cut at all. Um, and that's why even some people would say, well, it wasn't necessarily mass atrocity. Uh, mass atrocities didn't happen." It. it did. There, uh, in total, over 6... Uh, th- sorry, 3,600 people were killed. Um, and they say over 50,000 injured, whether it is physically, psychologically, these sorts of things. And that's a huge number when you're going to take into account the population of this country as a whole. That is huge. And so, um, so Robert, like I said, lived through it. Um, he himself is Protestant. He married a Catholic, (laughs) and had children in this time spent, and his children were uh, raised Catholic. Um, and although uh, the issue with Northern Ireland and the Troubles was a territorial one, the religious aspect does come into play. Um, predominantly, the Nationalists were Catholic and the Unionists were Protestant, um, and still are. I don't really know how I should go about this, uh, because it's not, like I said, clear-cut, but that's how it typically worked. Of course, I'm sure you had some Catholics that, or Protestants that, you know, intermixed in different areas because they thought, um, you know, didn't agree or whatnot. But um, that's typically how it works. And so um, let's talk about the beginning of it. Now, I always think the beginning was Bloody Sunday, but in fact, I'm wrong. Bloody Sunday was um, in 1972 or 71. '72. 72. And so um, I always think that was the beginning, but in fact, that's not the beginning. The beginning was in 68 with a march. I believe it was in Derry as well, a civil rights march in Derry um, on October 5th. Um, And so uh, the BBC actually does a really good overview of the Troubles. It has um, many links to different areas of the Troubles, um, which helps like everyday life, paramilitaries, peace, politics, security forces, violence. And it goes over different days, so Bloody Sunday um, and, of course, the day that the Troubles officially began. And so it actually says that here's a good overview of the conflict. Um, so it says, the Troubles refers to a violent 30-year conflict that began with a civil rights march in Londonderry on October 5th, 1968, and concluded with the Good Friday Agreement on April 10th, 1998. At the heart of the conflict lay the constitutional status of Northern Ireland. So the goal of the union, Unionist and overwhelmingly Protestant majority was to remain part of the United Kingdom. And the goal of the nationalist and Republican, almost exclusively Catholic minority, like I mentioned, was to become part of the Republic of Ireland. Um, so like I said, this was a territorial conflict, not necessarily a religious one. Um, so at the heart of this lay two mutually exclusive visions of national identity and national belonging. Um, and the principal difference between 1968 and 1998 is that the people and organizations pursuing these rival futures eventually resolved to do so through peaceful and democratic means. So that's something, but it took 30 years to get there and, and a lot of violence in between that. So, um... Like I said, so during the Troubles, it's important to say that the scale of killings uh, were perpetrated by all sides. So it's not just one side over the other. Um, and both sides were part of the violence um, between, you know, Republican, loyalists, paramilitaries and security forces. And so uh, let's talk about that. Oh my God. Okay. Let's talk about it. So um, direct rule returns, though. So prior to the Troubles, how exactly was Ireland governed?
2: Well, Ireland had its own um, assembly, which uh, sat in Stormont in Mm -hmm. in Belfast, and um, it was almost exclusively independent from um, the Westminster government. Mm -hmm. So it more or less ruled Northern Ireland without much interference from from Westminster. Mm -hmm. Um, But prior to direct rule, Um, it was um, constituted in such a way that there would always be um, a Protestant majority Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, the ability of um, Catholics to express their political and uh, social and cultural um, uh, aspirations was uh, severely curtailed due to gerrymandering Mm -hmm. which was um, a way of Determinant electoral boundaries in such a way that there would always be a yep. Protestant majority. Right.
1: And so, in fact, um, what people don't, I find, don't know is that um, the Troubles um, were really about civil rights. And and um, they kind of, how it kind of began was from watching what was going on in the United States with regards to their civil rights movement. And it kind of donged on, I guess, everyone in Northern Ireland who had been you know, upset for so long, um, that, you know, they would like to see changes in terms of their civil rights because Catholics, um, so what's the, so how was the voting done? It was that, um, if you were Catholic, you needed to own land to get a vote. And, um, a lot of the time that didn't happen. Catholics a lot of the time didn't own property. So unfortunately they weren't able to vote. So what are some of the other grievances? We talked about gerrymandering there for a second. Uh, some other grievances that were generally the issue for people
2: well it's generally recognized that the um, the main um, sp- issue that uh, sp- sparked the um, protesting mm-hmm. which was initially peaceful mm-hmm. was in the allocation of uh, social housing right. um, at the time uh, if you were um, working class Catholic you were probably living in much like slum-like conditions. Okay. And whilst there was a, a large um, program of uh, construction uh, of social housing. It was being uh, uh, allocated in a biased fashion, mm-hmm. and um, political um, protesters, said, you know, began to protest that this was unfair, and it should be allocated on a, on a, a need basis rather than on a political or religious um, perspective. Right. And uh, so that was really the spark that started the the civil rights movement.
1: Right. And so, um, you know, it was originally, at the beginning, peaceful. Um, But it later turned violent, unfortunately. And so um, everyone kind of sits there and, you know, we make jokes and it sh- shouldn't really make jokes, but we make jokes about, um, you know, the IRA or car bombs, um, and and these sort of when you hear someone's Irish, but it's not actually the right thing to do. Um, but um, the IRA didn't. That wasn't the beginning of the IRA. The IRA existed prior to the Troubles. It existed during this civil rights movement. Not civil rights movement. Sorry, the um, civil war in Ireland. Yeah, right.
2: Well, the, the IRA can Trace its um, ancestry back to the Irish republican brotherhood okay which was the, the movement that really um, create, created the conditions in which the, the Irish Republic came into being mm-hmm. and uh, once the um, the two entities political entities uh, were established uh, they didn't just disappear uh, in the in the north of Ireland. they became more or less um, uh went into a, you know, a, a, position of, or a situation of stagnancy right. for a long number of years. Um, but they still existed mm-hmm. in, in a very low-key fashion. Right.
1: And then so what – so was it – were they already gaining in terms of – w- I don't want to say power, but um, were they already starting to um, band together prior to 1968 or 1968 then really in Northern Ireland – they really started to come together and, you know, take up the cause of what was going on. Is that how it started? Would you know?
2: Well, it wasn't really 1968 that they started to come mm-hmm. to the fort. It was actually primarily this, the biggest recruiting um, episode that uh, they already had was Bloody Sunday. It was Bloody Sunday, okay. And it was really after that that they came to the fort. Now, there was a number of um, shooting incidents that they be, um, had been involved in, which resulted in British soldiers being um, brought onto the streets, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but they really didn't propose a significant um, uh, issue for uh, those in power Mm -hmm. at the time, it was more the uh, civil rights and the the rioting that invariably um, followed the civil rights march. Mm between 68 and
1: uh, 72 Mhm. so okay so we have the ira but um did it because i know that over time it kind of split up that it wasn't just one entity the entire time with the exact same um you know uh, idea it did kind of split up over time right like it wasn't that it was just a solid movement a solid idea not they split up. They had different. A lot of people had different ideas throughout. Now the IRA, um, so they're typically the nationalists, uh, Republicans, obviously. So now, what was their equivalent? The Unionists. What was what was their kind of name? Their group.
2: Well, in the beginning, um, the, there wasn't really a, a Unionist paramilitary force. Mm-hmm. Um, there were going back to the. Um, Partition and mm-hmm. um, the Ulster Volunteer
0: Force
2: mm-hmm. uh, was brought into being to safeguard the um, safeguard the the Protestant ascendancy in, in the in the north of the province. Um, but again, they became over between the in um, the nineteen twenties and the nineteen seventies. You know, more or less disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when um, when the uh, IRA started to become more active, mm-hmm. then the Ulster Volunteer Force reformed, Okay. and then there's various offshoots from That's our right. organizations, yeah. such as the Ulster Defense Association, Red Hand Commandos, and various other splitter groups that, That's right. that uh, decided to uh, pursue a, a political agenda through um, armed aggression.
1: Right. So, um, let's talk about, I want to say, let's talk about... Um Bloody Sunday. Um, you were too young, obviously at the time, um, to really know. But there's some footage um, that we were looking at, and you can you can see the extent of it, how scary it was. This was a was it a march at first, and then it turned. Was it a protest? I, I can't fully understand. I guess between the march and a protest, what what what, what exactly was it, and that it turned so bloody.
2: Well, Bloody Sunday March, uh, which initially, you know, it wasn't called that. The no, no uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I should,
1: yeah. I should, yeah, rec- yeah, I should say that. And yeah,
2: it, it was a, a, a civil rights march, mm-hmm. basically, to pursue the agenda for civil rights for for all. Mm-hmm. Now, because previous marches had um, occurred and had led to rioting, yeah, uh, the government and Stormont had banned the march. That's right, mm-hmm. and therefore. When the march was coming to an end, Mm -hmm. uh, rioting broke out. Okay, and that rioting was um, met with um, British troops. Right, Uh, but the significant difference in this occasion was that um, the regiment that was sent in to arrest the rioters Mm -hmm. were paratroopers,
0: who
2: were known throughout the world for their aggressive. Mm-hmm. Ten- tendencies mm-hmm. previous regiments would have been um more akin to dealing with rioting situations as opposed to you know um what we would more likely or more uh look upon as you know an armed conflict right. you know so mm-hmm. they <coughs> we were dealing with really aggressive um, soldiers
1: well i think their presence there was already something that Controversial, yeah. Of course it was, and so um, and, and there, there's footage and um, there was an inquiry later on about it, um, and you see that you know y- you have the marchers are kind of throwing um, what is it rocks and some bottles at um, these paramilitary troops, right? And um, you know, I don't. They s- after the inquiry they said, well, these were aren't unarmed civilians there and that the paramilitaries just opened fire on open fired on them and so um i think it was 14 people died that day 13 13 and so um all you see in fact is that um you know you see them throwing and then all of a sudden you just hear shooting and um at the end of it there's the the priest talking and th- what was his name again uh, Father Daly. And he's actually in a, I always pronounce a mural mm-hmm. uh, in Derry, uh, in the bog side. Uh, and they have the image of him where he's uh, waving a white towel or something to say peace, white flag. Um, and they're carrying, I guess he was a 15-year-old uh, boy who had been shot. Um, and, and um, you know, he says, Father Daly says, um you know, he was just running away, this little boy. He was running away. Um, he was trying to get away, and he was shot. And so you're watching this, and you're going, "What? what is going on right now? Um, and in the end, after the inquiry, they did say, well, sorry, I should mention that um, some footage you see uh, the you know paramilitary troops saying, well, no, we were fired upon first, and that was what sparked us to fire. And so after we did find out, though, that later on that, no, in fact... Um, evidence would prove that they weren't fired upon first um, and that they fired upon these unarmed civilians, in fact, first. And so um, that's an example of just, um, in my opinion, of a state essentially using its control when it didn't necessarily need to. Was there a way that they could have, you know, handled this better? Could they have handled Was Was it really going ba- wrong?
2: I think, Christina, I'd argue that it's not a, a case of the state using its control. I think it's more a case of the state losing its control. Losing its control,
1: right. Yeah. Okay, that's a good, good argument. Yeah.
2: Um, it, it, could it have been controlled better, obviously, in hindsight? Mm-hmm. Yes, it could have been. Um, I think the, the, prime, the fundamental um, mistake was that you were using troops that are trained, be professional killers mm-hmm. in a situation that doesn't warrant or mandate mm-hmm. that type of reaction right they're trained to do one thing mm-hmm. you let them loose they're going to do one thing of course and that is a, was a fundamental mistake mm-hmm. in my view mm-hmm. uh, in regards to bloody sunday mm-hmm.
1: and so it really never was the same Right. That's like a a very um, common line I've heard many times from someone who actually said apparently that day that things will never be the same now um, in Northern Ireland. And so that although it kind of the troubles did start in 1968, the extent of the the. What happened on Bloody Sunday? I think essentially just went poof and just sparked. And then you had many different situations and 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 examples too, right? Of of other um, things happening in Northern Ireland um, that, of course, there were um, casualties. So the type how how did they differ in terms of what the let's say IRA how they handled the events versus um, So what's the unionist side?
2: Well, I think you have to put into context that after Bloody Sunday, the argument from the um, nationalist paramilitary side was that this is a clear example that you will not be able to achieve your political aims through peaceful means. Right. So then that created um, the motivation and to some extent the support to uh, pursue an armed agenda. Mm-hmm. From, from the um, from the national side, mm-hmm. and therefore that that's when the IRA started to become more and more active and to recruit right. more and more activists mm-hmm. and um, to you know um, start to um, re- start to really um, become more active in a bombing campaign. Mm-hmm. Members of the um, establishment
0: mm-hmm.
2: that um, they thought that by tagging these individuals and economic um, uh, targets that they would force the British government to
1: relinquish to right, yeah. right, and so that's what we. Sh- it's important to mention too that it was in se- essentially economic economic war in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning. So you have some examples, which is interesting. I've, I find them incredibly interesting that you, in fact, so you were, a ca- how old were you when you went to that candy store? You tell me a story about that candy store. 11. You were 11. Yeah. You're on your way to school yeah. and you would stop off at this candy store because you live in Derry. You lived in Derry your entire life yeah. and this wasn't Derry. So you stop off at this candy store, you get your candy yeah. and you walk out.
2: Yeah, and, and as I was walking out, uh, two men walked in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I didn't really take much notice of them because I was on my way to school, which wasn't very far away from the store. Mm-hmm. And um, as I walked to the gates of the school, there was an explosion. There you go. And when I looked around, it was the candy store from which I had just come walked out of about three minutes earlier. Wow,
1: incredible! It's incredible. And so, so how did they go about, you said that in in this case, so what they would have done was they, so these essentially IRA men, from what we can assume, walked in, told the owner of the store, I have a bomb, mm-hmm. it's going to go off in two, three minutes, yeah. you're going to have to leave. Yeah. And he left. Yes. And it blew up. It blew up yeah. And so there, what did they want out of that? They wanted... Because then he would have to get money to help rebuild.
2: Yeah, If you were in business at that time um, and you suffered uh, and your your premises was blown up or or badly damaged or Mm -hmm. whatever, for you to uh, obtain compensation from the government Mm -hmm. you had to rebuild and reopen your business. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you didn't, Mm -hmm. you didn't get compensation. Mm -hmm. So by blowing up these premises, the Strategy of the IRA was to effectively bleed the government dry.
1: <laughs> Goodness.
2: However, it wasn't effective. <laughs> you know, because you know, in the, and if you take it in the context of um, the UK economy as a whole, um, whilst it was unnecessary expenditure from the point of view of the British government, right. it wasn't really uh, that significant, and the. the in regards to the total right. expenditure of a, uh, a UK mm-hmm. political entity.
1: Mm-hmm. And so eventually they ended up, expan- they went into England yeah. and then began to kind of have bombing campaigns there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, <coughs> the old s- the saying, that, well, what they used to say back home was that one bomb in London was worth 10 in Belfast. Oh, unbelievable. In regards to the impact it would have on um, disruption. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, the media coverage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it would obtain, and on the impact it would ha- have on uh, UK political and uh, social opinion.
1: Right, and so the IRA used bombs, um, car bombs. Yeah. too. Uh you have some stories there about you know people their cars were hijacked, yeah. um, and a bomb was placed in them, uh, you know, and placed outside. Would it would a store? What, did they always target? Um, were they always targeting Protestant-owned stores, or did it just not matter? It didn't matter. No. Okay. Or,
2: you know, whichever was uh, available.
1: Easy target. Easy target, at the time. Easy target. So that's scary. Yeah. How did you end up living through it? Did you ever sit back and go, "Oh no," looking over your shoulder, nervous? how i find it because i never lived through anything like that i live in a great country peaceful country um relatively yes um and so uh i never lived through something like that so how did you kind of go about your daily life did you get up going oh no what's going to happen today or you didn't think about anything
2: um, i think you have to think that you know this wasn't um conflict that uh, happened day in day out Right. there were periods where nothing, nothing happened, happened mm-hmm. and then something would happen mm-hmm. or quite a few things would happen close mm-hmm. together and then nothing would happen for a long time again mm-hmm. and um, you know when you you, you you get on with life because you have to right? you know you, you don't have an alternative right? so you still got up you still went to school people still went to work and um that sort of existence became normality.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you ever nervous about people you were talking to? You never knew if someone was part of one of these groups. Yeah, You would never know, mm-hmm. right? That's what you said to me. No one ever discussed it. You would never come out and say, oh, yes, I'm part of the IRA. Um, were you ever nervous if you made a friend that, what is this person really doing behind you? Did you ever think like that or you just didn't think about it?
2: never i think also you have to put into context that um we lived in a divided community Mm -hmm. and you know you went to you went to a a protestant school or you went to a catholic school Mm -hmm. so you lived within your own within your own people Mm -hmm. more or less Mm -hmm. you know so uh you you really you're really ghettoized to a large extent Okay. So you didn't really have to worry about who you, or you were talking to or mm-hmm. who you weren't
1: talking to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. Right. Okay. So um, your dad—I asked you if it was okay to talk about, you know, your family, and you said yes, it was okay. So your dad was, in fact, a firefighter yeah. in Derry, yeah. and so your dad unfortunately passed away um, when you were quite young. I think it, what, what year is that, 1971? 71. Yeah. And so I found it really interesting that, you know, he went to, he was called to, what is what was it, a burning building in Derry?
2: Yeah, it was a hotel that was um, okay.
1: on, on fire, yeah. And he went in?
2: Yeah. Um, they weren't entirely sure if all the people in the hotel mm-hmm. had been evacuated. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and another firefighter were um, sent in to check. Mm-hmm. and why they were doing that, the building collapsed. Collapsed?
1: Yeah. Okay. And so later on, I guess over years, they kind of have thought that that was in fact an IRA attack, or or how have they they kind of looked well, at it?
2: No one ever um, took responsibility right. for, for the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people are of the opinion that it was a deliberate fire mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because at that time... Uh, it was not in their interest to take responsibility for the death of civilians of course that's right yeah they didn't um, want to so it wasn't until after Bloody Sunday really that um, it became a, a strategic um, way of um, promoting their agenda mm-hmm. so at that time it, it was not politically um, astute to take responsibility for um, Situations of that nature. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so um, it's interesting, too, because you have the candy shop experience. Then you have the carjacking, some of your friends, uh, you know, someone came up to them and said, please give me the keys to your car. Um, And then, you know, their car was taken. You said that people, um, a lot of people didn't drive at the time because their cars were just getting hijacked and that was it?
2: Yeah, well, there there was a lot of people that, few that um decided that it wasn't worth having a car <laughs> because it was only going to get hijacked <laughs> so um uh they, they decided that they would
1: r- just walk over yeah there, really public transport really there. that's yeah. crazy that's crazy and when like these people if if someone came up to them and said give me the keys to your car were they ever f- uh, just you had a friend that actually said no
2: well i had a friend <coughs> and and he worked Periphery the of the Bogside area, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he had two cars that had previously been hijacked. And <laughs> on, <goodness>. the <coughs> on the third occasion, um, a guy came in and asked for his keys, and uh, he refused to hand over the keys. Yeah. So the guy uh, pulled a gun on him, <laughs> and <coughs> he still refused to hand over the keys. <laughs> He's brave. <coughs> but then uh, he was advised by uh, a colleague that it would be in his interest to hand to do so, over right. the keys. So he did so. So this guy, who I presume was an IRA man at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, disappeared, and about five minutes later he came back and he handed back my friend back his keys and said, that car's no use to me, it's an automatic. (laughs) I can't drive an automatic.
1: (laughs) So there were some times where you could find humour in certain things that were going on. Um, That is crazy. Uh, The fact that he sat there and kept saying no and a gun was pulled on him, he is brave or, uh, or, stupid. <laughs> or stupid one or the other yeah really um and so then you have the story of your grandmother she owned a pub yeah and so what happened with her pub was it was blown up there we go it was blown up yeah and so you know that that was ira yeah <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing it's just crazy that you know I know someone who's actually gone through and had connections to all these different things um and so over time so let's talk about other type events that happened um in Northern Ireland so I know I always remember talking about what is it the OMA the OMA bombing that happened after the Good Friday Agreement in 1998 so what are some examples that happened in the in the you know between these years, after Bloody Sunday, after Bloody Sunday, yeah. like what are some other examples in terms of you know and and how bad they were and what what went on?
2: Well, uh, well, after Bloody, Bloody Sunday, you know, you had a, a long list of um, multiple atrocities, mm-hmm. you know, like multiple deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them by um, the IRA, some of them by British forces them by Loyalist forces, mm-hmm. uh, it really became a, you know, a tit-for-tat
1: right. type of war,
2: mm-hmm. you know, he killed some of us, we'll kill some of you, and, um, you know, you, you could list off many events, you know, the, mm-hmm. um, the Warren Point bombing when um, British soldiers were, were blown up by a, a car bomb, wow. um, I think it was a, a, a bomb actually, a culvert bomb on mm-hmm. the road, mm-hmm. Secret Service personnel killed, I think it was three IRA men. Wow. Um, You have Ennis Kellen, which 11 people were killed Mm. while they were commemorating the um, uh, Memorial uh, Day. Right. You know, a a bomb went off off there, killing 11 people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I could go on and on.
1: You know, so. Right. There's so many different examples. Now, You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to cut this off. I'm going to say this is going to be continued because we're going to do another segment and we're going to talk about how the troubles shifted and how we ended up coming to the Good Friday Agreement. So thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Atrocity Prevention. Come back for the next episode because we'll have kind of concluding arguments about the troubles and whether it's really over. Thank you, Robert. I'll see you next time
2: please visit our website at www.thesentinelproject.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stopgenocide or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash sentinelproject.